That music means it's time for motoring and uh, motor talk with James Ward, the content director for drive.com.au. He joins me now. Good morning to you, buddy. Morning, mate. It's been a big week in the world of uh, motoring in Australia. It has indeed. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about. The big story has been that uh, Labor's fuel efficiency standard claims on cost and choice have been described as overly optimistic. Now, let's, let's just let me get our audience a bit of background here. The federal government, it claims that its new car fuel efficiency standard proposal is one, not going to increase costs or restrict options for motorists. Now, that comment has been rubbished as overly <laughs> optimistic by people from all over the motoring world. And it's raised questions about the true winners and losers of each of the three options that they propose will improve car standards. It was unveiled last week. Labor's preferred option, it would impose a fleet-wide cap on average emissions from 2025 and aiming to get the industry in line with US standards within three years. Now, under this proposal, no specific models of utes, vans or passenger vehicles would be banned. Instead, car manufacturers would be penalised if the total emissions of their overall fleet sold in Australia was above the cap threshold. So in other words, they're saying, oh, we're not going to penalise anybody and we're actually going to give you more choice of what car to drive so long as it, it comes under our emissions limits. But the choice they're giving us is the choice of car they want us to drive, not the car we want to drive. James, how do you see this? Yeah, look, this is the thing. You know, the, the, the government soapbox that gets pulled out every time they do one of these things, and you, they, they, you usually see the, the, the same people talking about it, and you would have heard the rhetoric of Australian is a dumping ground for the world's most polluting vehicles, and this will open up the door to uh, you new, cheap, readily available electric cars will flood in now that this has been done. Neither statement is true. Uh, and I think the mm. the reality of this all, and again, look, efficiency standards are something that we needed to, to do. And what the, the, the standards that they've talked about, it basically mimics what they've got in the US. And we need to remember that we don't build our own cars here. So every single mm. car that we have on sale in Australia comes from somewhere else that's been designed to be sold in a market that already has efficiency standards. So the, the, the baseline of this is we're kind of doing it already, but of course there are some cars that the, the we sort of have that don't meet those current emissions. The one I like to use is, is the Nissan Patrol because it's a 5.6 litre petrol V8. Mm. Everybody loves a Nissan Patrol, but it's not going to meet that criteria. But neither is the Everest, the Ranger or the Pathfinder or the Triton. And and, and, and this is it. So what we will see and what we what we know is happening is a lot of these manufacturers and even you know, Toyota last week has announced they're putting a mild hybrid system into the, the Hilux. It's going to retain its um, uh, 2.8 litre four cylinder turbo diesel, but it'll have a mild hybrid. What that will mean is that that car's uh, CO2 emissions will come down because on a stop cycle, so when it pulls up at the uh, the traffic lights, it will be able to have the engine off for longer because the mild hybrid can keep accessory systems and things running. So there are things that can be done to existing drive lines to uh, to make the cars more, more, more efficient. We know that manufacturers are working on new and more efficient engines because other markets require these fuel efficiency standards. But when you're sticking mild hybrids in or when you're sticking hybrid systems in or when you're putting in new engines and drive it is probably uh, going to push costs up and so the idea that it's not going to change the cost of of cars it will it'll put them up because it's more technology in cars and to the point where you can't have the car you want well you probably can't have it or you, you sorry you can have whatever car you want 
I reckon there'll be a few that drop off the perch because they will not have a an engineering sort of an engineering solution that could be put in 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 such a, a a short period of time. So we will see some cars drop off. We will see new cars come, but there are no magical jelly beans of of uh, cheap electric cars in right-hand drive that will meet Australian design requirements and our safety standards sitting waiting to come here. Uh, when we have fuel efficiency standards. Those, those cars don't exist. No one in Australia is going to buy a little 30-kilowatt uh, uh, two-seater mm. car that you see in Southeast Asia and, and, and in China. There's some of the ones that you see in Europe, yeah, they, they look okay. They work great in, in European cities, but they've got no safety equipment on board. They're, they're, they're just not going to sell in Australia, I think, is the main thing. Yeah, and the Utes don't have the work power that's needed here in Australia. Um, there's another report out today that there is growing anxiety from electric car owners surrounding the electric charging stations. Apparently, there are now huge queues to get one. And when you get to one, often they're broken. Apparently, they're very fragile, easy to break. Have you heard this? Oh yes, and and we have experienced all of this firsthand. The the, the first generation of the the fast sort of DC chargers that we saw getting put in, there's the fifty kilowatt chargers, were made by a company in Queensland called Tritium, and look, they're they're sort of they're pretty fragile, and they uh, are regularly offline or not fast charging or just simply not working at all. And we know that some of the brands and some of the charging um, infrastructure providers are, are rolling out newer equipment and newer things as the technology gets better. But it's this whole thing where the government loves to stand on a soapbox and say, everybody buy an electric car. They are not actively pushing the same scale of public charging. And even the cost of public charging, it, it, it can be quite expensive. If you're in a, if you go and use a Tesla supercharger and you're not in a Tesla, which you can do now, it's more expensive for you to charge your electric car on a, on a touring cycle than it is to drive a petrol or a diesel. So for, for many people, they are kind of going, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just gonna lift off the throttle for a moment. We're going to see how the infrastructure rolls out. We're going to see what these uh, new vehicles and new standards are going to mean before I, I take a step again. And even today, uh, well, the, the, the other day, we saw some um, uh, the new car sales figures have come out. It hasn't started as strongly as, as many people would have liked to have seen for electric vehicle sales in, in January. And, you know, it's mainly because we didn't get a big shipment full of Teslas. They still have well over half the market. But it just goes to show that we are not quite there at this runaway scale uh, sort of place that, that a lot of people either say or really would like us to be. Okay. James Ward is with us from drive.com.au. The other thing is... Um, you know, when we have fleets and fleets of electric cars on our roads, more and more, uh, there's more and more motorists not contributing to the fuel excise. Well, that, that, that's the other one. And even even uh, this week, the fuel excise went up. So those of us who are driving a, a petrol car, we're, we're paying a little bit more. Yep. The, and which pays for things. our roads. Yeah. And, and, look, and people this, driving this electric cars pay nothing. Well, and this is the case. Like they, they tried to put in that ridiculous one in Victoria, and it got knocked on the head by the, uh, I think it was the federal court. There will be there will be road use uh, taxation changes at some point. It in has the future. to be. Bet your bottom dollar. One more question for you: How is it that here in Australia we pay an import duty on cars? Um, if a car exceeds a greater value than about sixty thousand dollars, you pay what's known as a luxury car tax of thirty three percent. But there are other taxes involved in buying imported cars. Well, those 
taxes were put in place to protect the Australian car manufacturing industry. We don't manufacture cars anymore. Why are we still paying a, ta- a tax on imported cars when we have no choice? That is exactly. Is the that point. a fair and question? You, oh, it, it, it's it's a it is a very fair question that only has ridiculous kind of eye rolling answers because there's no there's no answer to this. It's basically just a tax on people wanting to buy more expensive cars. But the thing is. Everything's more expensive now. A Land Cruiser is $150,000. So the the LCT has now, it's not stopping people from going out buying a, uh, a Rolls-Royce. It is simply making what are, you know, well-equipped vehicles at the, they're, they're sort of at the medium to high end of the market now. It's just making them more expensive. So, look, I would love to see the LCT be, be changed. But as we're seeing, the state governments around the country are still paying off COVID. So they're finding new and interesting ways to, to put taxation. I would be amazed if we saw any tax get reduced, let no. alone uh, removed in the, in the near future. James Ward, always good to talk to you, mate. Uh, James Ward, drive.com.au. We will talk again soon. Let's chat then.